tuning in to Microbiome Matters, a podcast for healthcare professionals and researchers brought to you by Yakult Science. This podcast aims to share latest research and insights from experts about the science behind our gut microbiome. Hi, I'm Nev. And I'm Britt. And we're back again with another episode of the Microbiome Matters podcast. And we're here with Fari Keel, Senior Performance Nutritionist with the English Institute of Sport. In this episode, Fari is going to help us with some nutrition myth busting. Hi again, Fari. It's good to have you back. Hey. So um, our first myth that we have for you today is collagen supplements can prevent or repair leaky gut. So what do you think about this one? Um, so, I mean, collagen is the major protein found in connective tissue. So the tissues of our skin, our tendons, ligaments, uh, cartilage, bone. Um, so I think this has come about because of its presence in, in many of these structures. So it is present in the gut lining. That isn't, in my opinion, there isn't sufficient research to show that taking collagen will actually impact on the, the repair of the gut lining or the strengthening of the gut lining to, to prevent any gastro-related issues. Um, so my understanding is that you wouldn't, you wouldn't take collagen for that. We do use collagen in the sporting setting. Um, uh, some of our athletes will take collagen, but more related to um, tendon ligament repair and strength so particularly if they've had a tendon or a ligament based injury so we do use them we just don't use them for the gut thanks for clearing that up and also actually mentioning what it is used for um so the next one that we've got for you is if you experience gut symptoms while exercising you have a food intolerance yeah um so there's there's a number of reasons why you might experience um, any gastro issues during exercise and some of this can just be down to the mechanical factors of the the exercise that you're doing so you'll have heard a lot more of it in in running and we experience a lot of it in um, trampolining because of the forces and the pull and that can cause inflammation of the gut lining which then can should someone consume a food it, it can trigger an issue but it's not that they have a an actual allergy or a sensitivity to that um, specific food or that nutrients so it can be um, it can be very misleading. You know, there will be issues that arise in, in the heat um, or just due to the intensity of the work that's been done. And um, when the blood is redirected to the muscles at, at really high intensity workloads and then suddenly there's a reperfusion of the gut as exercise ends, that, that can cause injury of the gut. And so there's a number of reasons why issues arise. Um, and we have to look at the sport, the environment that the sport is being um, done in, the intensity uh, and the individual and when these um issues arise so often we will look at food training um, and diaries and and get athletes to input when the symptoms occur what foods they've consumed to see if there's any pattern but you know it's such a complex area and we would often refer then out to a specialist in the field to get clarification um, or to start tests to look at at this as an area we would refer to a clinical dietitian to look at the gastrointestinal system and, and we'd look at getting tests to, to test out for, for any sort of sensitivities or allergies because um, it, it can be if someone is constantly in this training environment, um, it be that the heat, the intensity of the workload that they're doing or the mechanical factors that just never go away because of the nature of the training that they're doing, it's very difficult to then 
pinpoint what, what the issue is. So we need additional support to, to clarify that. But, but yeah, certainly having a gastric symptom as a result of exercise or during exercise does not mean that there is a, an allergy or a sensitivity to a food. Thank you. That's a really good um, good answer to that question uh, and clears up that area of food intolerance in relation to gut symptoms. Talking of food intolerance, um, there are a number of tests like finger prick, IgG tests, hair tests and electrodermal tests. Are these all valid food intolerance tests? Yeah, these haven't been shown to be reliable um and, and specifically when you look at like IgG that's the antibodies haven't been shown to be reliable to identify either a food allergy or an intolerance or sensitivity so it's really important again to you know if we get an athlete who is having um gastro related symptoms linked to the food that they're consuming um we will refer to a specialist and we will um we will get the tests um from a medical practitioner a doctor and we will refer to a clinical specialist dietitian who who focuses on the gut to look at what what's really happening here and and get the right tests done for for the right allergies and intolerances sensitivities that are occurring so we've mentioned a lot about tests and like allergies intolerances and sensitivities we're just wondering what's the test that can be used or how would you kind of help your athletes who do have allergies or intolerances? I mean, allergies, are the, there is quite a significant difference. And I think people get confused and they'll often say they've got a food allergy, but an allergy is quite a significant immunological response to um, a, a food, to a, a nutrient, um, such as a peanut allergy, which can obviously uh, result in, you know, in, in a significant response that, that can lead to death. So it's very different to a um, an intolerance, which um, causes more gastric symptoms, such as bloating, gas, um, uh, IBS-type symptoms that you, you might commonly think of, um, such as, as diarrhea and, and, and things. So they can be really uncomfortable for an athlete to have to train with and, and quite difficult in, in many situations. So they're, they're very significant, but they're very different to an allergy. So we would have to look at, you know, typically an, an, an allergy is, is quite clear and, and you get a lot more um, uh, responses, physiological responses that are, are quite clear that there's, there's an allergy going on there and, and that needs to be dealt with. Um, so whether that's swelling of the lips, itching, scratching, um, swelling around the throat area um, versus um, an intolerance that we then need to look at as to is this a sensitivity and we just need to reduce the level that they might consume so someone might be um, uh, lactose intolerant for example but they can tolerate some level of lactose they just can't tolerate high doses of lactose so they might not have they might find it very difficult to consume a pint of milk but they might be able to consume a yogurt or some cheese so it's looking at the them on a continuum as to what is tolerable for them without causing any gastro issues that would impact on them in terms of their health and how they feel and, and the impact that that then has on their training. Thanks a lot for clearing that up, Vari. So the last myth that we have for you is, since high fiber diets and whole grain options are good for gut health, they should always be chosen by athletes. It, it's not it's not true and that will depend on on the nature of the sport so um you'll see from our, our ebook that 
actually before certain competitions or races or certain training sessions, someone might actually want to reduce the fibre that they consume because this can cause more significant issues for them when they're training. Um, so fibre is quite, uh, uh, can be quite difficult for them to digest and takes a lot longer to digest. Um, and therefore that, that creates challenges for them when they're eating close to a training session to fuel that for that training session. So sometimes we actually recommend taking the fibre down to try and minimise the risk that they would have any kind of gastrointestinal issues that would disrupt their training or their competition performance. So whilst fibre is super healthy, we try and fit it in for those athletes at times where they're, they're not training on rest days or further away from their immediate training sessions. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, actually, where athletes' lifestyles are so different and leading up to those competitions, lower fibre might be a better option for them in yeah. some cases. Yeah, which can be confusing for some people because they think they should always be eating the healthy option and, and having white bread actually might be for them a, a good way to fuel without getting a, a gastro issue. So in that case, what would you say might be like an acceptable level of fibre? You know, you do need some amount of fibre for your digestion. And yeah, so it it would be sort of planning that around the day. So it, it might it might be that someone has a, a lower fibre day if they've got a really, if they've got double training sessions and they're quite high intensity training sessions. So um, we might just remove the fibre on that specific day um, or, you know, if they've got a good break after their second training session where they can get more of a fibrous um meal in so we're still giving them fiber and giving them the nutrients that they they obtain from that but maybe for that specific day it's a low fiber day um and then we pick it up in the rest of the week or uh, on specific days throughout the week so sometimes it's a case of we don't we're not actually reducing the fiber we're just moving it to a different meal time point um sometimes it is a lower fiber day and we're picking that up the rest of the week so we're not saying every day of the week would be a low fiber day so it's it's difficult to put a specific number on it so it would depend on the individual as to what they can tolerate you know some level of fiber can be tolerated but for some with really significant gastro issues you know we'd really pull that right back so it's hard to just say one specific number that will vary across the, the individual. And does this relate to a certain type of exercise as well? So certain athletes, will they are they more likely to need lower fibre days before their competition compared to others? Yeah, uh, sometimes it's, it's the individual, but often it's in, in sports where there is a big mechanical component. Um, so you, you might see that more in, in kind of running triathlon, those sorts of events, ultra endurance type events. Um, and, and maybe less so with um, less mechanical load, such as cycling. Um, but that's not to say that always applies, you know, in cycling sometimes. They just simply need to get like really easy digestible calories in. Um, and so sometimes fibre can, can compromise that just because of it's so filling. Um, so it depends on the nature of the discipline, even within that sport. So, um, you know, the sport of cycling obviously encompasses so many different um, distances. And so it just, it might depend more on the individual or the, the distance that's being covered for that individual um, as opposed to the sport necessarily. So um, again, not a clear cut answer. It, it comes down to largely the, the individual person, what they can tolerate and, and what their schedule is. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us today on the Microbiome Matters podcast. Thanks very much for having me. No problem at all. It's great to hear about all of those myths and actually how, you know, nutrition is so complex and there's sometimes differences for different people. Yeah.
yeah it's a very complex area so that's why we rely on specialists in the field to help us um on this this area particularly the gut yeah it's been really insightful speaking to you today Vari. thanks again thanks very much thanks for tuning in for more information and to sign up for future episodes of our microbiome matters podcast go to yakult.co.uk forward slash hcp Thank you.